day, folks. Welcome to episode 92 of the Ubuntu Security Podcast. I'm Alex Murray. So, as you've probably noticed, uh, we had a week off last week. Uh, that was a bit unexpected, uh, but just due to time constraints and various things, uh, the podcast sadly uh, fell by the wayside. Uh, I hope to try and keep things a bit more consistent going forward, although that being said, uh, next week is uh, the product sprint here at Canonical, so uh, unlikely to get one out then as well. And given that uh, this means that I've now got a couple of weeks worth of vulnerabilities to go through, uh, I decided to declare uh, CV bankruptcy. Uh, we're only going to go through details of a couple of these this week. And then I'm going to spend a bit more time actually going through some uh, more community uh, things that are going on as well. Uh, so yeah, uh, but let's see how things go for the near future. Uh, with any luck, we'll be able to get the podcast back on track again uh, in the next couple of weeks. But yeah, let's just see how we go. Uh, so let's just get straight into vulnerabilities for the last couple of weeks as it is. Uh, there was over 120 unique CVEs that the team addressed. So like I said, I'm not going to try and go into detail on almost any of these, but there was one that I did really want to talk about, which was for Samba. And this was one CVE that affected uh, Ubuntu releases uh, 14.04, 16.04, and 18.04. Uh, so that is back to uh, one of our ESM releases there. And this was actually originally a vulnerability uh, that was announced for uh, Microsoft Windows systems. Uh, in that case, uh, for the NetLogon protocol. And uh, in this case, what it would allow an attacker who can communicate with uh, your domain controller, so in this case, NetLogon is used to uh, communicate uh, in this, as the protocol. And uh, that's the, so NetLogon protocol is used to communicate with the domain controller. And so anyone that was on the, uh, the network who could communicate with that could use this vulnerability to reset the password of a machine on the, uh, on the domain and then allow them to take control of the domain controller and therefore by get uh, the domain admin's credentials and you know basically own the whole uh, domain. And as I said, this was a flaw in the NetLogon protocol and that is uh, would allow an attacker to impersonate any possible computer in the domain, even the domain controller itself to the domain controller. So the domain controller would uh, you know think it had the authority to do these things even though it didn't. Um, as I say, so the flaw was in this NetLogon protocol, which is, uh, and the flaw in particular was in the cryptographic authentication scheme that's employed by that. And why this is relevant uh, for Linux is that Samba also implements this protocol as well. And so it would con it contained the same flaw. Uh, in both the Windows and uh, the case for Samba though, there is an option that uh, you can use a more secure authentication mechanism. So they didn't use this, this insecure one that had this vulnerability uh, in the, and, and actually was in the protocol. So it's kind of hard to fix because it's actually part of the specification, but you can use a different, more secure means of authentication. And uh, this is the default in uh, later releases of Samba. So in releases like uh, Ubuntu 2004, long-term support, that is the default. So it wasn't vulnerable to this attack, but uh, earlier releases were and so uh, what we've done there though is we've actually gone and uh, patched Samba to enforce this default uh, and so instead of say you know mod trying to modify everyone's etc samba.conf or whatnot uh, this is actually done in the code itself so that you know if you hadn't obviously specified something in your samba.conf it would get turned on to this more secure means uh, and so this is just one example I guess I wanted to use this as an example of how Ubuntu tries to be secure by default uh, so when a known security configuration option or you know, hardening options, those kind of things become available, we try and employ them. So in this podcast, I've talked a lot about hardening and things in the past, but I've not really talked about this aspect of how we try to, I guess, use configuration to try and make things secure as well. 
And so part of this, it often does involve a bit of a weighing up of the likelihood of breaking existing installs. So in this case, you know, we are forcing kind of all the Samba installs out there to use this more secure means, but we've done this for both uh, the server and the client portions of Samba. So if you have got a Samba network, you know, this would then be, uh, you know, across the whole, the whole board and it should just all work. Uh, so it shouldn't, you know, likely result in any breakage, but it does, uh, it is necessary because there is no way really to mitigate the original flaw, at least uh, in the current uh, patches. There may be uh, future patches that do allow that. Um, so the easiest way is to essentially turn off that, um, that insecure channel. And again, as I say, this is like an example of how we do this. Um, similar things we've done in the past is for the various um, Intel, in particular, speculative execution flaws. Uh, there are various ways that they can be mitigated in the kernel, like flushing various buffers when different things happen. And a lot of those we have turned on by default as well. And this is, uh, I guess, also partly because the upstream kernel maintainers have recommended that, but also because we want Ubuntu users to be as secure out of the box as they can be. Uh, some of these obviously come with a performance hit, but uh, you know we err on the side that uh, security in general is better than uh, you know having that performance hit, and that users can easily turn these off if they deem that you know they are operating in a trusted environment, or they know you know all the code that they're running is trusted, and therefore you know they they don't need to worry about this as a potential attack vector. But yeah, so anyway, uh, you know your Samba installs are a bit safer now. And actually, I did see just before I went to record this, we have released some updates as well for I think some of the later uh, Ubuntu 24 long-term support release and others uh, to try to uh, make sure it's properly mitigated in code as well. But yeah, I'll probably go into detail in that in a future episode. Uh, but yeah, so that was it for Samba. Uh, as I said, we then had a heap of other updates. I'm not going to go into detail on any of these. Uh, they are all listed in the show notes and you know you can go uh, look at usn.ubuntu.com or ubuntu.com slash security slash notices to see all of these. Uh, but yeah, a huge range of packages were updated, including OpenSSL, uh, QMU, GNU PG, uh, there was a Pulse Audio vulnerability uh, and a bunch of kernel updates as well. Uh, so yeah, there's a lot there uh, that has been done in the last couple of weeks. Uh, huge work by the Ubuntu security team. So thanks folks for uh, working on all of that. Uh, you know, we had the Firefox update as well. Um, GNU plot, all kinds of stuff. Squid, NetQmail. So yeah, a huge, a huge bevy of updates there. So if you haven't been installing your security updates, I urge you, you know, go, go back and do that or make sure you've got uh, unattended upgrades enabled, particularly say on Ubuntu 16.04, where that wasn't the default. So yeah, uh, but yeah, so let's, let's call that it for uh, the last two weeks in security updates. Uh, some other things, though, that I wanted to talk about this week was, uh, and actually just a few hours ago, uh, the AppArmor team released AppArmor 3.0. So this has been a very long time coming. Uh, it's been kind of on the cards for many years. A lot of features uh, have gone into this. Uh, it is kind of a sort of sets the ground really for AppArmor going forward. Uh, the previous AppArmor 2 releases uh, and then going forward to these 3, 3.0, 3.1 release that will be in the future. You know, a bunch of things have changed there. So this is kind of the first stepping stone to some of these future changes that are going to be in there. It's uh, it's not going to be a long-term supported release by the AppArmor team. It's kind of seen as this transitionary release so that uh, distros and things can, you know, ship something that is, uh, you know, allows them to you know, deploy AppArmor 3 and kind of get used to using these new uh, features, particularly around ABI. 
uh, specification and that kind of thing and the future app armor 3.1 release should be the the long-term support one but yeah i've got links to the show notes on some details in that and i did talk about uh app armor 3.0 in uh in the show a couple of weeks ago when i talked about how the team uh, were getting that ready for ubuntu uh 2010 a groovy gorilla uh, our upcoming release that will be out in uh probably in a few weeks now but uh yeah so we've got a beta version of that in groovy that has landed and we will be uh, updating that to the this uh, 3.0 final release as well. So if you are running uh, already running Ubuntu 2010, you know the development release, you will have App Armor 3, uh, and so you can be already be checking that out. We also have got uh, and had had some webinars done by the team that I wanted to mention as well. In particular, uh, Vanitha Kamath, uh, the security engineering manager for the certifications uh, sub team here in the security team at uh, Canonical. Uh, did a, uh, a webinar about FIPS certification and CIS compliance with Ubuntu. And so this kind of goes into detail on the Ubuntu FIPS certification for the various cryptographic modules in the Ubuntu 18.04 and 16.04 long-term support releases, as well as uh, the FIPS public cloud images talks about the difference between FIPS certified and FIPS compliant modules. Uh, there's some more, um, compliance benchmark documentation for Ubuntu CIS compliance. So CIS is the center for internet uh, security and their uh, benchmarks and talking about how uh, we have those available for Ubuntu as well. There's also some details about how to quickly harden Ubuntu systems and easily view which rules you are or are not compliant with based on the CIS automation tooling. And that's actually a great demo there. Uh, that's part of that webinar. So I've got a link to that in the show notes that actually happened uh, yesterday as it turns out. Um, but yeah, you can go and check that out uh, after the fact. And the other one I wanted to mention is actually one that's going to be presented by me uh, that actually was meant to go live yesterday, uh, but it will happen next week. Uh, so on the 8th of October, that will happen. There's a link again in the show notes if you want to sign up to that. And that is about best practices for securing open source. So it includes, uh, I guess, uh, some details on various issues that uh, can happen when you deploy open source software and technologies uh, and how that can result in insecurities. And then we go into some detail about how you can remediate those and best practices for that. And then finally, some details on how uh, the Ubuntu security team, what we recommend, you know, you can deploy to make a lot of this easier for you as well. So yeah, if any of that is of interest to you, I urge you to sign up uh, and yeah, you, that will uh, happen on the 8th. All right, so that takes us to the end of this week's episode. Uh, thank you, everyone, for listening again for another week. Uh, we will be back again with you probably in two weeks. Uh, unlikely to be next week, as I say, due to the sprint and time uh, constraints of that. But in the meantime, if you want to get in contact with the team, you can reach us at security at ubuntu.com. We are also in the Ubuntu Harden channel on irc.freenode.net. Uh, and we have Ubuntu underscore sec on Twitter. That's our handle there. If you want to come and say good day to us on Twitter, yeah, come along and uh, talk to us about anything really Ubuntu security related. Or if you've uh, checked out uh, the FIPS webinar and you want to give us your feedback on that, that'd be great too. All right. So yeah, as I say, thanks everyone for listening again for this week. I'll be back with you in a couple weeks. Until then, remember, keep calm because we've got your back and I'll speak to you soon. Bye. Bye.